At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets, brought to you by Senta. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates are the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Hornets. Rob Longo with you today following Charlotte's 134-116 to win in Oklahoma City last night as the Hornets sweep a quick two-game Western Conference road trip swing, defeating the Pelicans late last week and then taking out the OKC Thunder, which had a couple of hiccups early on, and we'll get to that here in a few moments, but all in all the Hornets now improving the 34 and 35 on the season. We'll recap the game, give you your top performers, and of course, it is the Ides of March. So not only do we have the heat of the battle going on in the NBA landscape, but we got to talk some college hoops as well. And we'll do it today with our guest, the one and only, the head honcho, if you will, the vice president of digital media here at the Hornets. It's Matt Rachinsky. Matt, we were talking about this before we started recording. First off, thank you for joining me. And second off, it's been a minute since not only that we've discussed some things, but it's been in a winning edition of the Hornets Hivecast as well. Yeah, I was starting to think that maybe I was a little bit of bad luck here. I mean, even my wife said it to me today. She said, you're doing the podcast again? I realize it hasn't been a while since they've won when you've done that. And, then it, and I started thinking about it, and I was like, this is just crazy. Maybe I need to get a big win under our belt and knew the Oklahoma City Thunder were up next and figured this was our chance. So, Thankfully, we were able to pull it out. They were able to pull it out indeed. So let's go ahead and take a look at this one and how it shook out because it was a really good start for the Hornets. Charlotte started the game 7-7 seven seven from the field, 4-4 four four from beyond the arc. The Thunder had to call a timeout almost five minutes into the contest to stop a 14-6 run, but then after that timeout, Oklahoma City took over. Charlotte had to call a timeout three minutes later to stop a 13-2 run. Didn't really work out well. Another two minutes later, the Hornets had to call another timeout to stop a 22-3 to 
extended run. In that span, Charlotte was 1-10 from the field since that timeout at the 7-12 mark, and Oklahoma City put up 41 points. Charlotte trailed it by 12 going into the second frame. Then we go into that second quarter, and Isaiah Thomas, with a huge spark off the bench, able to go 4-4 four for four from beyond the arc in the quarter alone with 12 points. Up with the left-hand runner, no. Rebound tipped, and LaMelo Ball punches it over to Plumlee. Plumlee down to the baseline for Ball, into the corner. Thomas for three. Yes, sir! His fourth. He's matched the number on the back of his uniform and his total from the other day in New Orleans. So from there, the Hornets were able to extend that run as the tables turned a little bit on OKC. Charlotte goes on a 25-10 run to the two-minute mark of the first half, and then Terry Rozier was able to give the Hornets the lead going into the locker room. Rebounded by Terry Rozier. 35 seconds left in the half. Rozier bounces it off to Bridges. Bridges, double team, gives it up to Rozier. Open look for three, got it again. Terry Rozier remains red hot. He's got 16 points, and the Hornets have reclaimed the lead, 63-62. to 62. Both teams exchanged baskets there in the final couple of seconds as Charlotte took a 65-64 lead going into the locker room. Terry Rozier had 16 points at that juncture of the game, and then going into the third quarter, LaMelo Ball started to crank things up. Bridges, he'll try and go baseline, wraparound pass, Plumley pivots, kicks, ball, wing three, is good! LaMelo ball, drilling another Lowe's three-point shot, and the Hornets increase their advantage to a game-high nine. Hornets were able to build off of that as well, take a 102-91 lead going into the third quarter. The Thunder tried to make a run at it a little bit later in the fourth frame, but P.J. Washington and Kelly Oubre and Terry Rozier, it was a total team effort on this play and throughout the entire game. They were able to salt this one away for good. 111-94, Kretschy collapses the defense. His pass tipped by P.J. Washington, he steals it. Hornets 4-on-1, Rozier throws the lob for Oubre, who throws down the two-handed Dr. Pepper dunk, and that is the full two leaders. Give the assist to Terry Rozier, his fourth of the night. Oubre crosses into double figures. Hornets able to cruise to a 134-116 victory, win two in a row, now improve the 34-35 and 35 on the campaign with a really pivotal game coming up here on Wednesday against the Atlanta Hawks. Of course, we will preview that one tomorrow. Sam Farber will do that with Ashley Shamity of Valley Sports Southeast. And before we get to that one, there's a lot to talk about in this one with today's guest, Matt Rachinski. Matt, a lot to love in this contest yesterday for the Hornets. You know, there was that 41-29 disadvantage in the first quarter. Charlotte was able to cruise the rest of the way out 36 points in the second, 37 points in the third frame, and then 32 points in the fourth frame as well. The offense really showed up. Three-point shooting looked really good as well. And the other thing that kind of got lost in the shuffle, which we can talk about a little bit later on as well, is that the Hornets only committed five turnovers last night, which is a season low for the Hornets. I think the most important thing that I saw was, you know, Coach Borrego was almost a soothsayer before this game. In pregame, he was talking about this is now a mental game down the stretch, that focus and mental toughness is going to be so key for this team as it starts to wrap up the regular season and make that final push towards where we're going to be in the standings and hopefully get into one of those playoff spots. And that was something that this team was challenged early on with. When they started off as hot as they did, going up 19-14, to everything was looking good. Heck, it looked like even the shot that didn't count when LaMelo's foot was on the line went in. So they were technically 8 of 8 to kind of start the way things were going, and things were looking good. And then you start to fall behind to a Thunder team that this is a, a young team that came in hungry, dealing with a ton of injuries. Always a scary matchup for any team in the NBA when you start bringing up so many young players who are just trying to make their mark, trying to get their spot. 
it led by a guy like Shea, who had a tremendous game for the Thunder last night. Absolutely phenomenal for him, but at the same point in time, this team had to bounce back early on, and it started to look really bad for everyone. I, I think every Hornets fan was probably sitting there after the first quarter going, what in the heck is happening? And then they open it up and continue to build the lead by scoring the first six points of the second quarter, and you're sitting there, and Coach had also said that you know you have to show a trust in that ball movement we saw against New Orleans. You have to be poised and make good decisions and make the right decisions at the right time, and it took one of the most veteran guys on the team, one of the newest guys on the team, Isaiah Thomas to kind of come in and write that ship and that's really kind of what took this team off when he hit those four threes in a row I mean it was just crazy to see Isaiah just hit shot after shot after shot and all of a sudden what looked to be almost a 20 point deficit was cut to nine and and it was looking pretty good for the Hornets and from that point in time they just rolled and they did it by playing well defensively and offensively that's the kind of basketball we were seeing from this team early on this season we know they had their struggles in february coming out here in march we're starting to see some games where they're starting to put this thing together again and look like the team we know that they can be the hornets at one point were down 18 last night that was in the second quarter of course you mentioned isaiah thomas coming off the bench with those 12 points which were all coming in the second frame it was a really weird looking box score when you take a look at it matt because isaiah thomas was the only player that was positive in the plus minus that came off the bench and he was a plus seven i mean you had Jalen mcdaniel who was a negative, Cody Martin, Montrez Harrell, and Kelly Oubre, who were the majority of the guys that came off the bench in meaningful minutes. Of course, everybody got in last night, and that's another point, too, is that everybody that got on the floor last night, everybody that played, which was everybody on the big league club roster at this point in time, scored. That included JT Thor and Nick Richards, who only ended up playing two minutes, and they each got a bucket as well. So everybody ate last night in OKC. But with all of that said, Matt, is that the fact that Isaiah Thomas was able to come out, be that veteran presence in the second frame really steady everybody out because that big run that the Thunder had was late in the first quarter when most of the reserves were in there and that's why I think the plus minus looked at it the way it did but Miles Bridges talked after the game as well about why the Hornets got off to such a great start and then faltered a little bit in that first quarter uh yeah we started off the game pretty well then they went on their run and we stopped moving the ball a little bit but once they went on their run we were just preaching like we got to move the ball anytime we move the ball we get any shot we want um, we know that they're a heavy paint team, and they they don't allow a lot of paint points. So we're getting a lot of open threes and, and knocking them down. So just just moving the ball around. Last night, the Hornets go 57% from beyond the arc, 20 for 35. And, Matt, that was something I talked to Sam Farber about on the broadcast yesterday at halftime was I don't think I've ever seen a team – start off the game 7-7 seven seven from the field, and then allow a monstrous run in the first quarter and go 1-for-10 from the field shooting and then able to crank it back up in the second quarter and then just kind of cruise to a victory. Just kind of a bizarre sequence there in those first uh, 15 or so game minutes. Yeah, the good thing about it was that there was no panic, though. There was none of, you know, and when we saw in that stretch in February and when that team wasn't playing really well, what would happen was a run like that would just continue to culminate and continue to build on us. And we weren't coming back the way we were in games previously. This team's starting to get that confidence back, it feels like, and that poise. I think poise was the key word to use in this contest because you're seeing this team playing well at home, possibly off to the best start that that team has been off to in a while, coming off a five-game losing streak heading into this one. So it was great to see this team just kind of weather that storm, not panic, have the veterans out there and, and, and to kind of settle things down, and then 
obviously we saw in the third quarter uh, the the rest of the guards on this roster and LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier both just carried the teams in the third and fourth quarter. LaMelo had his stretch of hitting four threes in a row and just he's playing better basketball right now. Only had three turnovers, still maybe a little higher than he wanted to, but still only had one the previous game starting to take better care of the ball and take better shots. And it, and he kind of keyed things there in the third quarter as well. Hornets winners last night, 134 to 116 over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shai Gilgis-Alexander was your leading scorer for OKC. Of course, a tip of a cap to him because he just played phenomenal. 32 points. Keep in mind, too, that the Thunder were coming off of the first night of a back-to-back where they lost against the Memphis Grizzlies. On the other side, Terry Rozier goes for the 30-piece. Miles Bridges has 27 points as well. And LaMelo Ball was north of 20 with a blackjack 21 in the victory. We got to talk about our top performers next. There's plenty to pick from, as I just kind of mentioned, and maybe a little bit of a couple of dark horse candidates in there as well. We'll get to it next with Matt Rachinsky on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast next, sponsored by Senta. I get allergy care from the doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates who know how to treat me, not just my symptoms. Now that my allergies are under control, I can ride my bike whenever I want, just like I did as a kid. Senta offers allergy testing in a wide range of treatment in North and South Carolina. Play like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Rob Longo and Matt Rajinsky with you here on today's edition of the HHC. Matt, we talked about it. It's a really great victory for the Hornets. Time now for our top performers of the evening yesterday. As the guest of honor, I will let you go first. Yeah, I appreciate it, and this one's not a tough call here. I mean, there there are a couple ways you could go with this thing, but Terry Rozier putting up 30 points, you know, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, only one turnover, like Terry is playing some of his best basketball. Looking at his numbers in March now, he's up to 26.2 points per game with five rebounds, 5.3 assists, two and a half steals. He's gotten 10 games in a row where he's recorded at least one steal, 4.83 pointers made per game, and his numbers, I mean, look at these percentages, 50% from the field, 50% from three, hasn't missed a free throw in March, knock on wood somewhere, I'm doing it right now just so that we don't have to see, we want to see that continue. So Terry's playing at the top of his game. I know he's crediting his birthday month as, as he told Ashley and talked to the reporters after the game, but this guy is really cementing his place as another just great player for the Charlotte Hornets team. I mean, he right now tied with uh, Alonzo Mourning for fourth overall with his 23rd overall 30 plus point game with Charlotte. So it's just great when Terry starts taking things over and he's so fun to watch and he's just so smooth out there when he's doing his little crossover moves or step backs or anything that he's kind of got going. He can hit it from anywhere when he's feeling it in that zone, and he definitely was feeling it with 11 points in the fourth quarter to really carry out that win, even when Oklahoma City, credit them. They did a great job in terms of not giving that game away because it could have turned into a 20- or 30-point loss, and they stayed in it, and, and Terry had to really step up in the fourth the way he's done all the month of March, really, to carry this team. Don't worry. When you said you were trying to knock on wood, I was tapping my noggin because it's absolutely <laughs> hollow. So we should be good in that aspect. You touched on it a little bit there about what Terry Rozier said after the game about why he's playing so well in March. Well, we'll hear from the man himself. You know, to be cocky, I feel like every year in March, I think I, I don't know, maybe it's the birthday. I don't know what I'll be feeling good, but I kind of take off. So just hopefully I can uh, – stay healthy and, 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 and keep applying pressure. But a lot of all the credit goes to my coaches and teammates for just allowing me to be me. 
So maybe we need to move Terry Rozier's birthday to the month of April so he can continue this as well. But at any rate, you can't go wrong with picking Terry as your top performer. I'm going to pivot in a little bit of a different direction. We touched on it here just a few moments ago, but I'm going to go with LaMelo Ball. 6.55 left in the third ball from the logo. Yes, sir! Time out, OKC! LaMelo Ball, unreal range. Fourth three of the quarter, fifth of the game. 19 points for LaMelo Ball, and the Hornets are up by 15. LaMelo was just incandescent from beyond the arc last night. He went five of eight from three. One of his better three-point shooting performances, not only of the season, but recently as well. Collectively, six of 13 from the field, hit all four of his free throws, finishes with four rebounds, seven assists, a couple of steals sprinkled in there as well. And you mentioned his turnovers, three turnovers. So he did have the bulk of them, considering that the Hornets only had five as a team, but still able to clean that up a little bit as well as he goes for a plus 20 in the box score to go along with those 21 points when you take a look at Lamelo's shooting as of late Matt and this is why I picked him as my top performer you look at some of his recent three-point performances against the Pelicans two of seven from beyond the arc you go back to the Boston game oh for four Brooklyn two for eight and then he got a little bit hot in that San Antonio game where he was four for nine but I mean ever since kind of the all-star break he just has not been shooting the three ball very well that completely changed last night in Oklahoma City that is why he is my top performer and the three balls were able to fly early and often yesterday simply because that was the game plan and that's what Terry Rozier mentioned after the game last night as well you know the scouting board uh they're gonna pack the paint number four defense and protecting the paint in the NBA so we know that we get in we gotta look for our teammates and that's what we did we found the open man and we was able to uh, knock down a lot of shots tonight so credit to our coaches for getting us prepared so, Matt, I don't really know what that means after I listen to it. I don't know if I should be, you know, even more impressed that the Hornets collectively went 57% from beyond the arc or if they were still able to only lose the paint battle by two points compared to OKC, packing it on the offensive end as well. But regardless, I don't really care because it was able to get LaMelo some confidence back shooting the three ball. Yeah, and it was tremendous to see also what Mason Plumley was able to do inside it. We talk about some kind of dark horse candidates. He had eight assists to lead the team last night because they were getting the ball inside and kicking it back out. And when LaMelo was catching some of these passes, he was just catching it in stride. And you could tell that he's shooting the ball. He was shooting the ball confidently last night. The one from outside the logo, when you played the replay, I was sitting here kind of laughing as I was listening to it because we were watching and I was like, there's no, that's crazy. He just pulled it up and it, it had no problem just knocking it down because he was definitely in that zone. And it all came in that same stretch when he was feeling it. So we need to get LaMelo back into that zone. And hopefully this is just going to be something that kind of spurs him to go along the rest of the month and into April. You talked about Mason Plumley. I was really hoping that Mason was going to pick up a double-double with 11 rebounds and eight assists, <laughs> but he only had five points. He didn't quite get there, but I really wanted him to get the double-double the hard way just to see it get done. But great well, overall well, performances. And he had four, yeah, he almost, uh, I guess he was almost on quadruple double watch at that point. But again, Mason Plumley, another guy that kind of flew under the radar last night. He was one of the best players, of course, in the positive of plus minus. Every starter was 
positive in the plus minus last night. PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, Mason Plumley, and LaMelo Ball were all 20 or better in the plus minus. Terry Rozier was the worst starter in the plus minus at plus 16. <laughs> oh, he had 30 points. So it all comes out in the wash, I suppose. But Hornets, big winners last night, 134 to 116. And now we'll turn their attention to the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday here at the Hive. Of course, we will have your game preview of that one tomorrow on a Hornets Hivecast. And of course, you can get your tickets at Hornets.com as well. It's going to be a big one. It's an important one as Charlotte kicks off a five-game homestand. We still got one more segment to go on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. And of course, it is the middle of March. We got a little bit of mayhem on the horizon. The NCAA tournament coming up here in just a couple of days really kicks off tomorrow with the first four beginning. And we got to talk about some of the alma maters that some of the Hornets have come from and what their odds are of winning it all and cutting the nets down at the Final Four in New Orleans in just a couple of weeks. We'll get to all of that next here on the Hornets Hivecast presented by Senta. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Rob Longo and Matt Richinski, the vice president of digital media with you here on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We're putting a bow on this one. And Matt, this was kind of your baby. This was your idea to come up with this segment. Of course, Sam Farber and Wes Robinson the other day on the Hornets Hivecast talked about some of the best all-time NCAA tournament teams current Hornets players were on. So you talked about some of the teams that P.J. Washington played on, Kelly Oubre, Miles Bridges at Michigan State, plenty of former alums that are currently on this Hornets roster that made some deep runs in the NCAA tournament. So we got to talk about what the anticipation, what the expectations for some of these tournament teams are this season with the tournament just around the corner here in a couple of days. Yeah, one thing I always love around this time is that if you hang around the locker room, and I'm sure maybe we'll catch some of this on Real Access in in an upcoming episode, if you hang around the locker room enough, you're going to see somebody strolling to the locker room wearing a jersey that they didn't go there. You're going to see Miles Bridges wearing a Texas jersey or Kelly Oubre walking in wearing a Michigan State jersey or something to that fact. So I thought it would be interesting just kind of taking a look right now. I know we can't talk about players. We're not going to talk about players, but we're just going to talk about teams and kind of style of play and what kind of sets up. We've got seven guys that are represented in the NCAA tournament with their alma maters represent actually eight because you've got two Kentucky players represented. But and a lot of those teams are number one, number two seeds, three number two seeds, as a matter of fact. So this these are teams that are, you know, going to do well potentially in the NCAA tournament. And I just wanted to see what your thoughts overall were, as well as give you some of mine on what some of those interesting matchups might be and, and who might be having to wear whose jersey at some point in time. You never really know how this is going to shake out. Yeah, so let's go ahead and give the listeners out there a little recap in case you don't have it down pat about which player on the Hornets went to which college. So we got you covered. Of course, James Booknight is a UConn alum, so he went to, when you take a look at where UConn is in the bracket, they are a five seed taking on New Mexico State in the first round. That is in the West region, of course. That is the number one overall seed in Gonzaga, so they would have to go through the Zags and a couple of other teams like Duke, for example, which an alum of Duke is Mason Plumley. Of course, you know, with the last run for Coach K and that sort of thing gets a lot of hype. Of course, that team will be playing in Greenville in the first round against Cal State Fullerton. And then if the Blue Devils are able to win that first round matchup, it could set up a potential second round matchup with the seventh seeded Michigan State Spartans. Of course, Miles Bridges is a proud Flint, Michigan native, Michigan State alum. 
He went there and played for Coach Izzo for a couple of seasons. So that could be a really intriguing matchup going down the stretch as Coach K and Coach Izzo would square off really for the final time. A couple of other alums, of course, we got to talk about would be Auburn, another really big number two seed in that bracket. Bruce Pearl has done a really good job with that program. They are the two seed in the Midwest region and would take on Jacksonville State and then would get the winner of USC in Miami. And the number one seed in that Midwest bracket is Kansas, which is, of course, where Kelly Oubre spent some time as well. And that leaves one final team, which would be Kai Jones, the University of Texas, played there for a season. And the way that Texas would have some sort of path to the Final Four is a little bit more difficult maybe one would say because the Longhorns take on Virginia Tech in Milwaukee in the first round Virginia Tech with just a masterful run over the last couple weeks if you've been paying attention to some college hoops because of course we are in ACC country down here in Charlotte as well so that's kind of the overarching landscape of Hornets players and where their former schools their former programs are lined up for the NCAA tournament so Matt of course as the guest of honor I will defer to you first Who has the easiest path? Who are you looking at? Who can make a run at this thing? Man, I don't know if I would say they've got the easiest path, but I definitely like Kentucky and the way that they play basketball right now. You know, they're a team that can really light it up. How could I forget about Kentucky? P.J. Washington, Nick Richards, they play St. Peter's in the first round in the East. My apologies. Yeah, hey, but you left it open for me to kind of fill it in there. So it was perfect. It worked out just the way we wanted it to. So, I mean, they've got, you know, scored 17. They've had 17 games in which they've scored 80 or more points, and they can light it up from beyond the arc. If a team can light it up from beyond the arc in the NCAA tournament, we know they can get hot. We know that they've got great coaching, and I think that this is a team that can make a big, long run in the tournament. Maybe it is because there's two Hornets on the team that were former Kentucky players. I don't know exactly, but that I think that that's a great shot there. But the game that I'm looking forward to, if it happens, if it can happen, is that Duke versus Michigan State matchup. If we're talking about a Jersey matchup, we're talking about something that might get some smack talk going in the locker room. I think that could definitely be it because we know that Miles is a huge fan of Tom Izzo and Michigan State. We know that Coach K has had tremendous success against the Spartans. Started off one and eleven against Tom Izzo, but the Spartans have, you know, come out and won two of three since, including 2019. So this is something that I think could set up for a real great kind of smack-talking matchup and one that I'd love to be around if those guys actually are able to sit down and watch the game together between Mason and Miles. Uh, I think it could be a fun game. So let's watch out for that and see what ends up happening. I, I think that obviously Duke will probably come away with that one. I know it hurts for me to say it because I do have Big Ten bias. I know we're in ACC country. Not the right place for me to say that, but, you know, I always like to see the Spartans do well. But I think that Duke is going to make a little bit of a run here. I don't know if Coach K is going to get another national championship, but he's definitely got a lot of weapons on that team. And even worst case scenario, if Michigan State does not win that first round matchup, it would be a Duke-Davidson matchup. So that would give some local flair as well. And of course, all of those games are being played in Greenville, South Carolina. So not too far away, just a little bit of a drive, maybe hour 45, two hours, depending on what side of Charlotte you live in. So could be a really intriguing matchup as well. Matt, I don't want to put you on the spot. I know you are a Michigan native, a Mitten native, as some of the folks like to call it there. I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you had to pick one, is it Sparty or is it go blue? I mean, I'm go blue. I, I okay. gotta be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a Michigan guy through and through. Uh, raised a Michigan fan. My heart bleeds blue and gold. Although I, I will say that Tom Izzo was the first coach, like national coach, that I had the chance to cover in my career back when I was working for the Marquette Mining Journal. 
up in the upper peninsula of northern Michigan. Most people don't even know where that exit where that is, but it was the daily paper up there, and it was the year that Michigan State made their run. And, and Tom is from the UP. Uh, so I had the opportunity as a very young 21-year-old reporter to follow Michigan State down in that run because they played in Detroit and we covered it for all of our fans in Upper Michigan back in the day. And, and Tom Izzo was one of the most professional people I've ever been around. And I gained a tremendous amount of respect for him, which as a Michigan fan, that is almost impossible for me to say about any Spartan other than Tom Izzo and now Miles Bridges at this point. But I've always kind of pulled for the Spartans on the basketball court just because Tom was so great to me early on in my career. And I think that it's he's a coach that's definitely respected in my eyes. I think you covered enough ground there that Miles Bridges won't come after you. So I think you, you explained go. it See? enough. So I think you're safe in Miles' book. <laughs> Miles, I still love you, man. I, I still <laughs> want the Spartans to do well. But if Michigan makes a run, I don't know. They're, they're an 11 seed. I think we're going to struggle a little bit. But, yeah, definitely still love you, Miles. Please, please don't come after me. It is March. Crazier <laughs> things have happened. As far as my pick, I do like Kentucky. I'm a big Coach Cal guy. I know that goes against public opinion a little bit, but he is a Pittsburgh native. I got to kind of root for him a little bit in that aspect. But I really like what Auburn has been able to put together. Bruce Pearl's done a really good job with that program, kind of resurrecting it a little bit. I could see Auburn making a little bit of a run as well. I think the bracket sets up a little bit better for them would be a really difficult second round matchup whether it's Miami or USC two very difficult opponents as well and then you got to take a look to a little bit further down the line and potentially a 1-2 matchup in that bracket in the Elite 8 with Kansas which would of course be against Kelly Oubre's former team so I think JT Thor's former team has a little bit more leeway I think the way that Bruce Pearl's been able to recruit those guys I know they're a little bit younger but I kind of like Auburn here I think that they might have a pretty decent run at least just in terms terms of ease of processing its way through the bracket, kind of weaving through kind of the landmines, I suppose, getting to the final four. But that's just my prediction. I'm not a bracketologist by any means. I know there's been times, I think one of the times was when I picked Michigan State to win it all as a two seed a couple of seasons ago. Oh man, that was probably what, I think 2016, I want to say, 2017. And then Sparty loses in the first round to a 15 seed. So that is covering my track saying that I am not a bracketologist by any means. Neither am I. Not even a little bit, but hey, we all like to have fun at this point in time. And you know what? If that Auburn and Kansas matchup does happen, I'd love to be a fly on the wall there because I don't know if JT Thor is the most vocal guy in the locker room, especially in a rookie season, and how much he'd have to say to Kelly, but we all know Kelly would probably light him up for sure. I'm sure JT would give a little bit of smack back, but he might want to learn his place a little bit, but that's to be determined, I suppose. But again, full disclaimer between Matt and I, if you're listening to this podcast looking for (laughs) tournament advice, bracket advice, you're not going to find it from us. This is just our predictions based off of the teams that are represented from former Hornets and where they are now. So we'll just leave it at that, but that'll do it for today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Vice President of Digital Media, Matt Rachinsky, thank you so much for joining me here on the Hornets Hivecast today. Hey, always fun being on here with you, Rob. We always go somewhere completely crazy whenever we talk. I love it. Of course, it's always an adventure here on the Hornets Hivecast. Tomorrow's adventure will take you to Sam Farber and Ashley Shamity of Valley Sports Southeast as they get you set for a pivotal showdown as the Hornets come back home to the Hive to take on the Atlanta Hawks. For Matt Rachinsky, I'm Rob Longo saying so long. Thank you so much for listening to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, and we'll see you here tomorrow once again on the HHC. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.